I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And I thank you for being here today, and I thank you for subscribing to this show on iTunes. I thank you also for leaving five-star ratings and comments. And if you haven't done that, please do. It helps me out. It helps TIJ out. It helps you out. If the higher this show gets, the more prestigious this show gets, the more five-star ratings and comments it gets, the bigger name value it gets to attract everybody out there who wants to do this show getting everybody out there into doing this show I'm talking uh do you want john boyega you want daisy ridley bring them on down you know you give me a five-star rating i got a chance you want keith richards you want paul mccartney you want brian may you want uh steve harris you want Lars ulrich give me a five-star rating it's gonna help publicists love them five-star ratings as much as i love you and speaking of big guests i got the biggest guest in the world on today me That's right. I'm turning the tables on this podcast. I'll be answering your questions. I'll be telling stories to you. Now, my friend from uh, Toronto punk band, F'd Up, Damien Abraham, hosted Toronto is Jericho uh, a few months ago. Actually, it was a a while ago. But he hosted the show in front of a live audience. If you listened to London is Jericho last year, you know what you're talking about. It's kind of a live question and answer, live storytelling, uh, live, uh, live show with Damien Abraham hosting it. He interviewed me, took questions from the crowd. We even had Santino Morello hanging around on stage in Toronto. He chimes in from time to time. Always good to see Santino Morella, San Chico, Santino, San Luis Obispo, Santino, San Amante, Santino, Santino, Santino. You'll hear all about my last match at Smoky Mountain Wrestling, what it was like to get color back in the day, if you know what I'm talking about, why you don't see blood in the WWE ring anymore. We also talk about the Attitude Era, Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, what that did for my career to beat both of them in the same night, 
how drug testing used to work in the WWE. I've also got stories from WCW, the story behind the Jericho personal security gimmick. You'll even hear about what I think about CM Punk going to UFC. We talk about music, Fozzie's early days, the death of Kurt Cobain, so much uh, so much to talk about. I had a lot of fun that night in Toronto. You hear all of that. If you were there, I know it was a long time ago. It was almost a year ago, but it's evergreen. It's in the can. It's rocking, and it's ready to go. But first, I took my kids to see Star Wars The Force Awakens this weekend. We're going to give you the Irvin Family Star Wars review with Ash, who's 12 years old, and Cheyenne and Sierra, they're 9 years old. I wanted you to hear the review from a kid's standpoint, as well as my opinions on it. And this is officially a spoiler alert. I don't want to hear anything from anybody going, oh, you spoiled the movie. If you haven't seen it yet, it's been out for like almost a week. You've heard it, you've read about it. So this is spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear anything fast forward like for the next i don't know 15 20 minutes and you'll miss everything uh that we're going to talk about in the irvin family star wars review let's cue it up with the kids right now all right here we are um uh with the irvin kids and we're going to talk about the uh, review for the force awakens the new star wars movie so first of all it's a pretty crazy uh experience just to get there because we went and had dinner at there was an unnamed place where we found a bug on Cheyenne's back, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was disgusting. Yeah, but we also got a free meal, though, because there was a bug on your back. So don't say the name of the restaurant. We did? Yeah, we got a free meal. Seriously? Yeah, $115 is what it cost, and we got it for free because of the bug on Cheyenne's back. Because really? of me, because I saw it, you know. I'm just, wow. I just got eyes like that. You chased them down, right? No. Okay, so we finally got to the theater and then went and saw the movie. And what did you guys think? It was actually amazing. It was so good. It was all that you hoped and more. It was just amazing. The what worst you, it was part. that you Hold hoped on. like a new hope. <laughs> and what did you think, Cece? It was so action packed, and there and they brought back old characters, and it was just amazing. And it don't was, say what you didn't like, Shine. Tell me what you liked first. Kay. Did you did you like it? it? Yes, it was almost as awesome as cheese itself. But cheese is better than that, so <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> well, you <laughs> almost like Star Wars better than cheese? Yes, cheese is my main priority. I cow. love cheese. It comes from cows. So, okay. I like cheese so much. All right, well, let's talk about uh, there was no cows in Star Wars, but I thought, too, it was like there a should perf- be. perfect mix of uh, of the past and the present, like the tone of the movie was very much like Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, kind of some similarities. Mm-hmm. A lot of jokes. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff like yeah, that. yeah. Sarcastic yeah, jokes. Like Poe. Like Poe like was good, um, right? Yeah. Poe was like, are you going to talk or am I going to talk? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And the weirdest thing was when Han Solo, when Han Solo and Leia had the son when he took his helmet off. To show the people what he actually looked like, he looked nothing like Han Solo. Cheyenne, later. do you think she? Do you think he was hot? No, he's ugly. Good. What is your problem? Good point, though. Like when you have, when you wear a mask. Uh, when we were walking away from the movies, like if you're gonna wear the mask, keep it on. Like he took it off like three different times and, and then, then put it on. Puts it back on. What's the point, right? Yeah. yeah what's the point of? Unless you're Darth Vader. Yeah, unless you're Darth Vader. I mean, he needed it. If he took it off, he would die. You know? His 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 lightsaber was also like that oh, cross yeah, lightsaber. The... Yeah. 
I thought I thought it was really cool. Like there's so many good, like the Wrath Tar was my favorite part. Oh it was yeah, so good. Like the, yeah. the crazy monster inside of Han yeah. Solo. And then the, even yeah, the two uh, the two uh, gangs were after him. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it was CGI, but they made it fit in real good. Like like it was real, but mm. it wasn't. Like in Sharknado, you could tell that the sharks are CGI, but in this, it just blends right into the. Yeah, it really. Yeah, right. The CGI. It looks they, actually like it's a real thing. It doesn't look like CGI, like the sharks and sharks. They did. Keep, they did keep to their promise though, and they said they were gonna. They weren't gonna go all CGI, and there was puppets. Like, there were not puppets, and there was co- It wasn't all CGI. Yeah, the old school like yeah, Muppet style and puppets. That 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 to Muppet me made puppets. it all the be- all the better. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. I have a question for you guys. What was your favorite part? Because my favorite part is when they're at the temple with the orange alien. I can't remember her name. Maz. Maz. And uh, Finn is fighting the stormtrooper with the lightsaber and then, like, the electrostaff. Right. That's just, that, that was a really cool scene. To me, it was just awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know what else is, like, really amazing that we actually got to see a Star Wars movie in a movie theater. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you that's guys have like never seen it. It's your so first. Cool. You've seen all the movies, but you've never seen them in a theater because you're yeah. too young, and now you get to see one. Um, oh, but also, my favorite part was at the end when um, um, Ray found Luke, and she was trying to hand him his own lightsaber, and he just stood there with the wind blowing in his hair. <laughs> yeah, his but, old um, gray he hair. Being old, like you could tell it was him. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, it was like him, but formed into an old guy. <laughs> well, it's been thirty-five years. What was your favorite part? Especially my favorite part was when um, I forgot his name. It was, it was the guy with the mask. Kylo Ren. Ren. Kylo Ren. I liked when I liked after um, when he killed Han Solo, Chewie Ren was a herc, yeah. and he was like, rip, rip. that was my favorite <laughs> part. But my least favorite part was when Han Solo died. Yeah, yeah that was, was pretty sad. That was sad, right? I cried. Yeah, it was sad. Were you guys all crying? Yeah. I, I cried. I, I, yeah, you guys. I could, I, hear, I could hear you on the other that side. Was you crying. had some tears going. Well, I, yeah, I, I was crying. I and was crying. Also, I like now that Ray is Chewbacca's like new master, sort of because mm. partner, partner. Yeah. I don't know. I'm used to being the droids and then like the humans, like they're the master. Right, right, right. Chewie. Yeah, that was kind of a good I'm mix. Master. Like Chewie could be in the movies forever yeah. because it doesn't matter. You know, he. I think Chewbacca. I think Wookiees live to be like. 300 or 400 years old. Yeah. Well, right in between, now, Chewbacca, in between uh, oh. A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, um, he was like 150 or 142. Oh, really? Like yeah. Okay. In between like the fourth movie and the fifth movie. I kind of saw it coming that Han Solo was going to die because I started seeing the patterns between Star Wars, the first one, A New Hope, yeah. and this one, in that you know this droid has a has a, a battle plan inside of it that can save the entire universe yeah. and they're trying right, to stop right. like the 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 sun sucker aka death star and then in star wars obi-wan kenobi dies yeah. and this one i was like oh, i just i could just um, tell that something's gonna go down yeah like that. Uh, you know what else? can i say one thing yeah. before you go yeah, yeah, yeah um uh another really amazing part that really just makes you think of star wars a new hope is when uh you see the star destroyer coming out of the gloom like it's like you just see the sh- silhouette of the star destroyer coming in front of the planet yeah the yeah 
uh, in the first couple scenes, yeah. and that that was that was so awesome. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I agree. I kind of saw it coming when he was like when he was right next to um his son. I knew he was gonna like the way he was holding it next to Han Solo's holding the lightsaber. Yeah, I knew he was gonna turn it on. And also, um, Harrison Ford, which is Han Solo, he looks good for seventy three. He sure does. Yeah. How I knew that Han Solo was gonna die. It was like so obvious when he first stepped on that bridge. Mm-hmm. It was like so obvious because he kept getting closer, and I was like in my mind, like, dude, don't go closer. You're gonna die, and yeah. then fall off the skinny platform. Yeah, yeah. It was like in um uh when they're in Cloud City in the first three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when mm-hmm. Vader's fighting uh Luke, yeah. and and then he almost yeah, that was off. similar too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, like, to see Harrison Ford, like, I don't think I've ever seen him die in a movie movie, before. Like, he's never died as Indiana Jones or Air Force One or... or He was Indiana Jones? You didn't know that? What's that? He was Indiana Jones? Yeah, you never knew that? Never in Oh, come on. You've seen Indiana Jones movies. I have, but I I never knew it was Han Solo. I remember when we were watching Oh, you never put it together? You told me that... Harrison Ford, a.k.a. Han Solo, was Indiana Jones. Yeah, it was, yeah. What'd you think of the new characters, like Finn, Finn and Finn, Ray? Really and like Finn. Finn. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. I really like, especially how he was a stormtrooper and then he turned to a Yeah, Jedi. like, uh, it was pretty crazy in the first battle scene when uh, the one stormtrooper gets shot and Finn runs over to him. And uh, he leaves a blood streak on his helmet, and yeah. then he doesn't shoot the um, civilians. Why did he leave the blood mark? Because he, he, he got shot. The other stormtrooper got shot, so he oh. was holding his wound. So you th- what, what do you think oh. the significance was of that, Ouch. of having the blood streak on his that helmet? That probably changed. Like, he probably just didn't want it. He just didn't want to... Uh, he probably didn't want to be part to of die. the First Order. No, he probably didn't want to be part of the First Order. He didn't anymore. want to have the yeah. blood of the First Order on his hands. Yeah. I thought it was cool they put that on his mask so you could tell it was him for, for the beginning, too, before yeah. he took his, his mask off. Yeah. I was wondering what was going on with him. Like, in the previews and stuff, you see him, and I was like, is he in disguise? Or, But is the he fact in, he yeah. actually was a stormtrooper. Because yeah. he, he actually got took away from his family to be a stormtrooper. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he did. I he thought he was that. made. Oh, yeah. They took well, him away from his family. Family, yeah. and they gave him a name because he didn't have it was like a name. FN two twelve twenty. Yeah, because he was a baby when they took him away. So yeah. he and didn't Ray, have a name. And Ray a name, got yeah. left on Jakku alone by by someone, and we don't know if, who her father or mother was. It could be. It could have been Leia. I'm or Luke. I think maybe her dad is Luke. I'm ninety-nine percent sure that her father is Luke. It's so obvious. Yeah. It's not she Luke. She's the, not Luke. She, uh, I know she's like. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's not. Do- it's she's not the daughter of Luke. She looks like it though because force. And yeah, why no, do you think she's not the daughter of Luke? Because Leia's her mom. How do you know? Because it's and. Every Star Wars book ever. I know, I know, I know. Don't exist anymore. Disney's cleared all that out. So, because the original thing was that Luke and Leia had twins. Yeah, Yeah. and And I was thinking the whole time too that okay, well they're they're sister brother. Then I realized, no, I was thinking at the end of Jedi they had twins, but they never had twins at the end of Jedi. They had just gotten together. Yeah. So we don't know anything about whose parents are who. I'm just saying. But the only thing we know is that Leia was strong. Leia, I'm just saying. The only thing that we. That we cat that we know who, like whose daughter and son of a person is that um 
Kylo Ren is the son of Han Solo. And right, Leia. we know that. So, yeah. but don't you think though the fact that she she grabbed the lightsaber and it had the chemistry with the lightsaber and she had the Force inside yeah, of her? The lightsaber. Well, the lightsaber. First off, that lightsaber belonged to Anakin Skywalker, aka Vader, and then to and, Luke, and aka then to Luke. Luke. Yeah. But then Luke made his own. Remember in the last movie, he didn't have a blue lightsaber. That was his father's. He had a green lightsaber. Oh yeah. And the green lightsaber, different colors of lightsabers have different meanings, and I won't go yeah. too far, but green is usually diplomatic skills and yeah. force using. Mm-hmm. Blue is more uh, uh, lightsaber wielding. And what would, More of a warrior? Yeah, sort of more thing? warrior. How do you know that? From uh, the books and stuff? Books and stuff. Videos. Okay. I'm a huge nerd. But what would um <laughs> what would purple be? Because Mace Windu's uh, got purple. Oh, Mace Windu had a purple, had a purple one. Yeah, right. Purple is the only one in the movie, or purple is the only other color in the movies aside red. Yeah. Uh, and purple is kind of it's a mix of light side and dark side techniques with the force. Really? Yeah. Okay. Ooh. And it's more for an aggressive warrior. So like Mace Windu, I mean. I have something. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so it's like maybe I, you know what you said, Ash, that could be true, but maybe from your theory, maybe maybe she is Luke's daughter because he had the blue lightsaber before he got the green one, so he he switched lightsabers. Okay. I think a couple things of uh, first of all I love too when Han Solo Han, Han Solo was great in this. Oh my gosh, he, he was, was amazing. so good. But he grabbed yeah, Chewie's so weapon. Good. He was shooting. Yeah, he I was like, like this thing. I like this. Can thing. I borrow that? I remember when when the Chewie gave Han his his winter jacket back when yeah <laughs> yeah when they're going up the elevator, which reminds me, Captain Phasma, the new uh, the, the gray stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. That was a cool. That she, she yeah. was a girl. Yeah, it was yeah, very diverse. There's a lot of girls. The, 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 yeah, uh, they really. They Finn really is black. Them. You know, yeah. they really kind of expanded that, yeah. which is cool. And, um, and th- oh, the suit was like looks like it was made out of metal or iron. That or was really cool. The only thing I was disappointed is I wish, uh, uh, maybe in the next movie it'll, she'll do more, but it seemed like Princess Leia didn't really have much to do. Yeah. Because yeah. she's kind of a butt kicker in the other movies, and it would have been cool to kind of see her, uh, you know, getting some adventures. But yeah. kick again, like, whoa. And the other thing, too, is I thought it would yeah. be so cool when Han and Leia had their last meeting if he would have said, do I love you? And yeah, she would have said, I know. I know. Uh-huh, yeah, well, Han Solo said that in The Empire Strikes Back and he's about ready to go into the carbonite pit. Oh, she yeah. says, I love you, and he goes, I know. It would have been cool if he would have said, I love you. She would have said, oh, I know. Yeah. But, okay, so last question. Give, your, uh, give your, your, your final statement about what you thought of the movie and what your favorite character was in the movie. Okay. You start, Ash. All right. My favorite character, I like three characters. Which ones? Chewbacca, mm-hmm. <laughs> Solo, and Finn. All of them. I just like them because they all have some great lines. I mean, Chewie with the... I mean, <laughs> Yeah, so heart moving. Er, I am. <laughs> some of the words he said. Uh, Han, he was just, you know, such yeah. a BA guy. And then Finn, I liked it because he was new and he had, he played a major part. And then yeah. he had that fight with Kylo Ren, got injured. Yeah, he was good. Too. To Sierra? I gotta say, oh, this is hard. Um, guess say. You wanna think about it for a second? Well, I have my um, thought about the movie. 
Okay. I thought it was emotional and action-packed, and it got on, and it had all, it like had sadness, happiness, all of it mixed together to make a great movie. And I gotta say about my favorite character, I think it's got to be Han Solo. Okay. Gotta say Han Solo. Always a winner. Shy Shy? I love the movie because it was like, it was full of action, sadness, and like curiosity. You were always curious what was going to happen next. It was kind of like a double feature, but like a double feature with just one movie. Mm -hmm. And my favorite character is Rayella and Chewbacca because Chewbacca has just been my Mm -hmm. always favorite. He's like, he's so awesome. He's like, he's so cute he's like he's like the best person who knows how to use a gun he's like mm-hmm. a gr- I got a he's got he can, like a gr- he can drive the millennium yeah, falcon that was great too and they found the millennium falcon he's like a great he's like a great aimer at who he's gonna shoot sharpshooter in the area i like ray uh, because it was just it's so just cool just ray, ray. ray. yeah ray yeah so i like ray because she was just like she was just so cool because she like she just learned how to use the force with any with no training because it was her instinct yeah. yeah and she used it back on kylo ren and it was so cool how she knew he was scared of because he knew he was never going to be as good as yeah. Darth Vader. father. Right. Yeah. Right. my favorite part of the movie uh-huh. was i think it was a, a perfect mix of past star wars and and yeah. set it up great for the future. It was a total reboot of the excitement of the Star Wars franchise and making it relevant again. And I really, really thought the whole thing from start to finish was so amazing. It was funny. There's some great humor, awesome action, <laughs> great new characters. I love the Raftar. It's such a minor thing, but it's kind of like the Rancor monster like Raptor. or something like that. Yeah. And I also I love Han Solo and, and Chewbacca. Obviously, for the last 37 years, I've loved those guys. But my They're favorite awesome. new character, I thought Finn was great, Ray was great, and Kylo Ren was great. It's a perfect uh, three-character arc that you can continue to make movies about forever. Yeah. And I thought the ending of Star Wars, the ending of this movie was brilliant, where you don't see Luke the whole movie in the very last scene. He's yeah. there, and you're just like, no, it can't seconds. be over oh, yet. No. Yeah. That's yeah. it. It's like I in shows that say to be continued. That's right. It's just like, why must you do this and to like, me? And like, so like, so if it said to be continued, that would be like more painful. Like saying no because you because no. it's gonna take them like another year to you don't That's know right. how long it's gonna take them to film another one. It was so cool and it was like awesome. Okay, <laughs> yeah. say goodbye. Said that like bye, bye. Hope. Bye. People who haven't seen the movie, yeah. spoiler Spo- alert. Yeah, spoilers at the very end. That's yeah, smart. Yeah, spoilers all the way through. Yeah. Spoiler. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. All right, there you have it. Ash, Cheyenne, and Sierra give their Star Wars The Force Awakens review, as did I. Like I said, it's a definite must-see. It's a perfect mix, 
of the past and the present. So much great stuff happening in that movie. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you haven't seen it yet and you're a Star Wars fan, go now. If you haven't seen it and you're not a Star Wars fan, go now. So much more to come uh, and also uh, so much more to come today. I guess I'm going to turn over this podcast to the special guest host, Damian Abraham from Effed Up for Toronto is Jericho. He's controlling the interview and the questions. I'm on the hot seat. We're going to kick all of it off, but first I want to say thanks to you guys for listening and supporting this show and supporting the great sponsors of Talk is Jericho. It's been an unbelievable 2015. This show has doubled in size since uh, since last year. So I thank you for all of that. Thanks, everybody, at Podcast One, including Norm Pattis and Stacey Para, my amazing producer, and all of you guys for listening. The numbers are going through the roof, and I appreciate that. Over 120 million downloads for Talk is Jericho. That is a huge success. Uh, thanks to you guys, and thanks to my sponsors, who I would not be able to do this show for free with. And one of the sponsors has helped make... Tw- 2015 such a success for the show is my good friend diamond dallas page and ddp yoga now wait till you hear what dallas has unveiled now all right he's got a new app it's the ddpy now app and it's killer i got it on my phone so doing ddp yoga is easier than ever now i know i talk about ddp yoga all the time and if you're still a little skeptical just go to ddpyoga.com slash jericho check out jared's video okay it's unbelievable how this guy has completely changed his life now listen he lost 313 pounds in 17 months I want you to think about that. He lost 313 pounds in 17 months. Unbelievable. He documented his DDP yoga story in pictures. Then he wrote this amazing journal entry about his experience and where he is now in his life. He narrates it in the video. It's truly incredible. It's touching. It's uh, it's unbelievable what he's done. And I want to say congratulations to Jared on what he's accomplished. Thanks to DDP yoga. I bet he's already downloaded the new DDP yoga app as well. DDPY now is the name of the app. And it's got everything. Exclusive live workouts with Diamond Dallas Page from the DDP Yoga Performance Center. It's got an expanding archive of workouts for you to choose from. Nutrition guides, recipes, a live cooking show, so much information. Now, the app has a Bluetooth heart rate monitor compatibility that's incredible and detailed interactive fitness tracking to keep you motivated to reach your goals. You can even earn points within the app to redeem for special awards. DDP has thought of everything, okay? And, of course, you can get the DDPY Now app for iPhones, Androids, and on the web. And if you buy the DDP Yoga Program, at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You'll get three free months of the DDPY Now app. Okay, three free months of the app. What are you waiting for, you sexy beast? You go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho now. It's a great way uh, to give somebody a present for Christmas or give yourself a present for Christmas. DDP Yoga has changed tens of thousands of lives, including mine, and it can and will change yours as well. All you got to do is commit. All right, go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho today. No more excuses. Get into the best shape of your life with DDP and do it now. All right. There are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Amigas. See? Already learning. Haha. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. 
They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is Jericho. Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to start the Talk is Jericho podcast. Your host for Talk is Jericho today. You may have seen him on Much Music. You may have seen him at Vibe. Mr. Damien Abraham. Thank you. Whoa, this is crazy. Hi, everyone. It's an honor to be here. I'm, uh, I assure you, no questions are going to be for me, from me. All these questions are for Chris. There's going to be audience questions later on. We're going to have a really fun time. It's a live podcast. Let's hear it for the internet. Uh, Woodbridge Heroes, before we go any further, is the most incredible comic book store I have ever been to. If you get a chance, check out these animals. There's real animals here. I'm saying this for the people listening on the podcast. You guys all know there's real animals here by now. Anyway, without further ado, I have to introduce to you a living legend. And I do not use that phrase lightly. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ayatollah of rock and rolla, Chris Jericho! Anzantino! And, and coming just as I get here to steal my thunder, Santino is here now. Santino Morella, also here. So this is the first time we've ever done this. Um, he doesn't have to be in the podcast. Okay. He's just going to sit there He's going to sit there? If he has you're anything here, you're to here say. for the bonbons. He's going to eat bonbons and hang out. We've got berries over here, too, if you we want. We've got some uh, chocolate-covered things here, if you want. So, uh, guys, how are you? Okay, so this is a, a, a podcast, so if we say something funny, please laugh. Uh, if not, we feel like we're in a zoo. And the background of this is uh, Woodbridge Heroes invited me to come uh, here to do a signing, but the thing that really uh, intrigued me was to do a live podcast as well. So I was thinking, I've been toying for a while with uh, having uh, the, the guest on Talk is Jericho being Chris Jericho. Like, who would, like, this week's guest on Talk is Jericho, Chris Jericho. Like, who would do that? I would. But I just needed the right guy to interview me, and I've known Damien for a while, and he's the right guy for the job. We've so. toured together. Yes. We've, uh, 
done TV shows together. Well, I interviewed on TV. I, yeah, ma- well, I make it well, seem like we show. acted together. But we were on a TV show. We went to the Copa together. We've, we've done so many wild nights. It's going to get crazy in this thing. Uh, but no, it's an honor to be here because I'm a huge fan, huge fan of the podcast, huge fan of Santino, too. This is amazing. I'm like in a sandwich of wrestling awesomeness. It's so funny how he just showed up right when I got here. Yeah, you, pla- you planned that, dude. No, the traffic was just perfect. <laughs> I think that's what they call a run-in. They did. It's you just know? more of a walk-in. A yeah, a walk, a turn your chair on a bit so you can see me. Absolutely. I'll move back a little bit so yeah, I can see yeah, a little yeah. bit better. So, Chris, um, thank you again for having me down to interview. And we've talked before and talked a lot. And we were talking upstairs before coming down. But you're off. You sound a little hoarse, too, yes. in the most sexy way someone can sound thank hoarse. You. Like Kathleen that, Turner horse. Exactly. The hoarseness that only comes after playing a show on the road. For three weeks. You were on tour with Fozzie for the past three weeks, yeah, right? we did 20 shows in 23 days. Holy. Which is usually our schedule because uh, when you are off the road, on t- or so when, you're, when you have an off day on tour, you're not making You're anything. not making money. You're still paying all the expenses for mm-hmm. the crew and the bus and everything. So we try and play as much as we can. And thankfully, I've been blessed with a really durable voice mm-hmm. um, where I can do 12, 13 shows in a row. That's about it. And then you start getting really, uh, you pay the price for the next couple of weeks, get the real raspy Rod Stewart, Peter Chris voice going on. When a lot of bands also, when they do these shows, they're on stage for an hour and a half, and that's it. You also do meet and greets. You talk to people before and after a lot of well, times. Well, you got to try and limit yourself as a singer, but also, too, if there's press to be done, I yeah. want to do it. You know, um, if there's, we do a big VIP meet and greet, so you want to give the fans the time to, to, to say hi. So there's a lot of stuff. That entails being on the road than just being on the road. Yeah. Santino had his hand up. Yeah, sorry. Uh, do you have a routine like a throat coat tea or lemon that you follow when you're on the road? Uh, it's, Great question. It's funny. I met uh, uh, Smokey Robinson once. We were doing a show together. And I saw him sitting in the corner of the room eating lemons. Wait, where, what show were you doing with Smokey this, Robinson? It was a show called Celebrity Duets. <laughs> okay. And it was a horrible show that I did. Oh, there's one fan over there. <laughs> she, she appreciated my work. Where they would put celebrities with uh, celebrities that could yeah. sing with with like real sing, like real rock stars or whatever, and and Smokey Robinson was one of the guys on the show, and I saw him in the corner eating lemons, and I thought, oh my gosh, like that must be a secret, like he's eating lemons, maybe that's how you th- you know you throw you coat your throat. So I went up to him, I said, Smokey, I see you eating lemons over here, like, is that to help your throat? He's like, no man, I just I just like eating lemons. <laughs> He goes, none of that stuff, none of that bullshit works, man. He said, the only thing that you need is water and sleep. Well, the, That's it. The grossest That's one the I ever heard was Tom Waits drinks the juice of a sardine can. He'll, like, open a sardine can and just drink out all the liquid. Oh, wow. But then you sound like Tom Waits. Well, so. yeah, that's right. It's, yeah. it's a chosen vocal. But I was going to say, coming off that tour, doing something like this, or, or going back into to wrestling, what, what is the harder slog as it goes in the downtime like obviously playing in a show playing a show is an amazing experience playing live performing as as a professional wrestler i imagine is an amazing experience but like there's all those downtimes in between what is a harder slog of it obviously the physical toll from wrestling must be hard but i imagine touring's hard too emotionally so well i mean just being on the road there's 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 pros and cons to both i mean obviously when you're in the wwe it's the top of the top of the Mm -hmm. top Mm -hmm. but Having said that, and Santino knows this, they don't take care of you in any way, shape, or form. Like when you tour Canada, the States, whatever it is, you get one thing in the mail, and that is a plane ticket or a a plane email, your travel. But when you land in a city, you're the one who's responsible for booking the car, picking up the car, 
after the show, you have to drive to the next town. Uh, you have to rent your own hotels, find the best hotels. So everything is up to you, which I think a lot of people don't understand. Like if you're playing pro football or if you're playing, you know, uh, pro hockey or if you are an actor or whatever it may be, they take care of everything. When you're in the WWE, you could be world champion. I'm mean, there's a story in my new book, "The Best in the World at What." I have no idea. Available at fine bookstores now. Pick it I up. suggest all of you pick it up today. There's Excuse a great, me. a great chapter about Santino in it. Santino Gump. Uh, but there's a chapter. I, I was the world champion, uh, and we were in St. Louis, going to Cape Girardeau, um, Missouri, and it was about a five-hour drive. And I decided to drive it that night. I was wide awake, you know, amped up after the show. And there had just been an ice storm. So by the time I get to Cape Girardeau, I mean, there's ice and snow everywhere, like snow piles as high as this ceiling. And it's Cape Girardeau, so there's like seven hotels in the city. And this is always a bad sign. I went into the very first one and asked for a room. They said, no, everything's sold out. Now, when you find one place that's sold out, that means that usually all the places around are sold out. Yep. Right. Yeah. So uh, I go into the next hotel. It's sold out, sold out. So I finally go to a Drury Inn, and they say, yeah, not exactly the best of places. And they say, well, th- th- we're sold out here too, but the YMCA has people <laughs> coming. Uh, you can go sleep in the, in the bed at the YMCA. And I'm like, like I'm the, I'm the world, world champ. champion. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to a YMCA to sleep on a cot. Like, you know, and, th- and I've never said ever in my life, don't you know who I am? I would never <laughs> say that, but I said, listen. <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, I'm working here at the you know, Enormo Dome, Cape Girardeau Arena. Yeah. I'm in the main event of the WWE show. I'm the world champion. Is there anything you can do? She's like, well, I can let you go sleep in the, in the conference room. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a little better. Like, it's what better do you than mean? the YMCA. YMCA. She's like, well, there's a conference room you know, where people will have you know, meetings or whatever. And uh, she said, you can go sleep under the table. But she said, at 7.30, my boss is going to come in, and you're going to have to leave. I'm like, well, we'll see. And it's been, well, it's like 4.30 in the morning. So she gives me a little pillow and a little blanket. And you're and on the floor. I'm There's on the no floor. Uh, yeah, and I go under the table because apparently that's going to be more shelter for me. I remember looking up, and there's all these little pieces of gum, like chewed gum. And I'm like, what kind of meetings are these people having? Like, and who's chewing all this gum? So I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning uh, with this lady shaking me. And she's like, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, you're going to have to leave. I'm like, lady, I'm telling you what. I am not leaving. You're going to have to call the cops to get me out of here. You're not having any meetings on a Sunday morning in this place. I'm staying. So she left. And a couple hours later, it was 930. I woke up. And like, you know, I look in the mirror. My eyes are beat red. My hair is all over the place. I just look terrible. And I walk out the door right into the breakfast area where all the guests are eating the free continental breakfast. And everyone just like stops and looks up at me like, huh? And this little kid, I remember sitting with his daddy, goes, daddy, daddy, that's Chris Jericho. He's the world champion. And I said, yes, I am, kid. Yes, I am. And I walked out of there forever. So that happens sometimes, even as the world champ. There's no room set up. But when, but when you're in rock and roll, you get on the bus. Yeah. Everything's taken care of. You got a tour manager to tell you, here's your day sheet. You be here at 10 a.m. We're going to drop you off here, pick you up here. You get your shower here. You do your press here, your VIP here. Here's the show. Get back on the bus. You know, everything is taken care yeah. of. And that's really that's, that makes it a lot easier. Uh, having said that, you have more freedom when you're traveling by yourself, mm-hmm. like I do in the WWE. 
but it's a lot of fun to be on the bus with, with the guys in the band as well. So That's so weird because I remember when we were in Australia, we'd be sitting in the back of the plane, you know, in coach where everyone sits, the normal people, mm-hmm. and you'd be back there with us. Right. And I would be like saying to my band, like, that must be so weird for Chris because I guarantee when he's flying with WWE, he's flying first all the time. Did that kind of schizophrenic existence within WWE prepare you for the kind of schizophrenic existence well, you have no, because, in a band? Because I know, I know that, you know, with Fozzie, we're obviously not as big as, as, as you know, as Slayer. Yeah. And Slayer was traveling in first class on that trip. I remember specifically sitting on Gary Holt's lap, the guitar player, <laughs> after having a few beverages. And he's like, what are you doing up here? I'm like, oh, you're not so much of a rocker anymore, Mr. First Class. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, if, you know, on that tour it was Metallica and yeah. Slayer and Blink-182. Uh, uh, Blink-182, Paramore. Paramore. Who was the other, the other headliner? Was it Linkin Park? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it was Linkin, Linkin Park. Park so, like, yeah. That's like the top of yeah. the top. And then in the back, you got all of us, and Anthrax is all back there, and you know Corey Taylor's back there. So it's like we're all hanging out, anyways. And I've always been able to split. Okay, I'm not expecting to be Chris Jericho from the WWE when mm-hmm. I go with Fozzie. I'm, I'm the singer Fozzie, and as big as Fozzie is, is as big as I am. So it, when we get to the point where we're traveling first class, then I'll be the first guy sitting up there. But until then, man, I used to sit in middle seat smoking uh, coach seats to Japan. You know, twelve times a year. I got no problem with it. You know, it's the way it is. So when when you though when you are in those situations as you know Chris Jericho, the 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 band dude though you have climbed up and ascended to the level where you are peers with all your heroes. Like I yeah when I first met you, I looked over and you were talking to Scott Ian, Kerry King, and Lars. So that's Scott Ian from Anthrax, and that's Kerry uh, King from Slayer, and that's Lars from Metallica. And they were talking to you as a peer. Like it wasn't like yeah. a junior band kind of being like, "Hey guys, how's it going." Yeah, it was really cool because that, that, that was the, one of the coolest things. I, I actually we met each other at Soundwave. I came over and I ignored all the other dudes, and I only wanted to talk to Chris Jericho because <laughs> I like metal, but I'm a Chris Jericho fan. So, <laughs> but it was so cool to be on tour with Metallica. Yeah, like there was 40 other bands on that tour, but I always say we were touring with Metallica because we were. But it was a stadium tour. It would go from whatever stadium, yeah. to stadium, to stadium, and the whole sta- the whole park around the stadium would also be other stages, other stages too. too. And just to see how Metallica ran their show, like the very first night, they had a, a barbecue mm-hmm. for all the bands that were on Soundwave. And it was just a, such a classy thing to see. Like, this is the biggest band on the planet. They don't have to do this. But as a welcome gesture and as a classy gesture, they had a barbecue for everybody. Mm-hmm. And Lars even made a book that had pictures of all the bands. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to know everybody's name or face, but at least maybe I'll recognize somebody and someone will know. I'll know who somebody is from one of these bands. Yeah, see? The, the, Metallica fan. The, the, the parrot's a big Lars Ulrich fan. Big pop from the parrot. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, even a, a band at that level uh, being able to uh, be so classy just really blew my mind. It was, it was a great experience to do that tour. Well, and, and I don't, not to keep comparing the two worlds of wrestling to, to music, but I just think it's fascinating. You've ascended to, like, the highest level possible in the WWE. All your heroes... <laughs> There, there. All your heroes now acknowledge you as being, you know, one of the greats. But you're also doing that in music now. Which, which fills you with more pride, you know? Because you did start from, and I'm not, you know, I'm not meaning this in a demeaning way with Fozzie, but you did start from the bottom kind well, of and climbed your way up. Just like I did in wrestling. Yeah, That's just like in wrestling. Thing, you know, like when I was a kid, I wanted to be in a rock band and I wanted to be a wrestler. Those are my two goals. And I didn't see any reason why I couldn't do both. Now, everybody else did. Oh, you'll never do that. You're crazy. You'll never happen. You're too small. You're too stupid, whatever. But um, I just never listened to that. So to first go through the, the you know, early years of, of wrestling and start making it, 
you know, you can start to see that when we when we began with Fozzie in '99. You have to start at the bottom, and then that's I think a, you have to work almost twice as hard to gain people's respects when you do two things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the wrestler guy. What's this Fozzie? It's gonna be some wrestling band. Like we're on stage in tights, hitting each other with chairs. I and, would love that. You know, yeah, well, that's, would, that's something you could do. Gordon's only mother. Mother Effers were a band from <laughs> Cleveland that used to do that, and they were incredible. I, I've been told I play in a band with a swear word, and Jericho's one rule was don't swear. Well, so I mean, uh, you can swear. Uh, yeah. But there's kids here, too, so I'm not – don't worry, guys. I've already – This band is called Effed Up. It's, it's a swear word, so yes, we won't even is. mention that anymore. Is, but, yeah. but, yeah, so I, I would think that's awesome, but you guys weren't that band, obviously. No, we weren't. So we, we knew that we had something real, and it was something that was good, and it's something that's like we, – we rock. So if we're just going to keep doing our thing, and people, people – that makes people mad. Like, they're still around. They're still here. Like, it took me nine years to get in the WWE. You know, I didn't just show yeah. up and go, I mean, hi, guys. So it was nine years of working my way up the ladder to where I mean, the first do- opportunity I ever got in the WWE was Jim Cornette called me to tell me, uh, we're going to do this thing where we have five enhancement guys. Now, they're not jobbers because they all have gimmicks, but we want you to be one of these guys. Now, they're not going to win any matches, but at least they'll have gimmicks and they'll have a, a TV time and an entrance. I'm like, well... You know, it's, it's been six years. Don't really need to do that. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. He's like, no, but I, it, they're they're not jobbers. They have names. I'm like, I have a name. Like, and they have gimmicks. I don't want a gimmick. And so he said, I'll I'll put you down. Interested with an asterisk. No, and I'm like, no, put me down as not interested with a nothing. <laughs> and this is when they came out with the goon and oh. the pug and uh, oh, uh, dirty. Oh, was it? Uh, Tommy the Crap Man or whatever. Uh, no, T.L. Hopper. Yeah. Tommy the Crap Man. There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good gimmick, though. Yeah. <laughs> T.L. Hopper. And I know, I just know that I bet you I was earmarked to be the, the, the goon, goon who was a hockey player, yeah. uh, wrestler, who wore hockey equipment to the ring and had uh, wrestling boots that looked like skate blades. Like they were shaved down to be like thin skate blades. And I guarantee... That could have been me, guys. I could have been a contender as the goon. Well, you mentioned Jim Cornette there, which I wanted to ask you about. Was that before or after Smoky Mountain? Probably after. It was, it was after. after. Yeah, Mountain. he was working for, the, um, working for the WWE at that point. Now, one of the most insane wrestling videos, like I have friends at Tape Traded, I've ever seen was a Smoky Mountain match where you bleed more than I've ever seen anyone in my life bleed. Right. Like, like it was like a stuck pig, blood yeah. coming everywhere. What are your thoughts on blood in wrestling at this point? You know, like you, you clearly you're someone that has well, I mean, experience with blood in wrestling. Blood, blood is always uh, something that you could use to put the like the exclamation point on a on a on a big match or mm-hmm. a big heavy angle uh, to get something to the next level. So in that respect, I mean, there was there was always something about when when that blood came, even as a performer, you'd be like, okay, now this is on. Like you feel like a barbarian or something along those lines. But I understand now it's the world we live in with, with kind of going into a different direction. And some guys were really overdoing it, especially back in the late 80s, early 90s. There was guys, you know, when I worked at FMW in Japan or even like a Dusty yeah. Rhodes or something, Abdul the Butcher, the, the scar tissue on their forehead looked like a looked like a road map. Like you could follow this road down here and you can get to Cleveland, then you can go to Pittsburgh, and you can go up to Toronto, and there's Niagara Falls. Like just really crazy. And that was almost like a badge of honor, I guess. I remember when I worked in Mexico, there was these guys called the Villanos that had tons of gig marks on their chin because they couldn't get color from their mask because they were masks from the forehead. So they would cut their chins and they would have like like a goatee of scars. And that's just the way they looked. So you're you're legitimately disfiguring yourself for your craft. You know, um, 
so from that respect, I understand it is a little bit barbaric, but if you're going to talk, what were the pros of it and why would you do that? It's because it really added an extra exclamation point to what you were doing. And the last time Vince ever allowed, officially allowed blood in a match was Jericho versus Shawn Michaels Mm -hmm. in 2008 when I beat him so badly there was no finish. The referee called it like a UFC fight. He was covered in blood. And the finish was I had him trapped in this, like, I had his arm trapped behind my leg and I was just pounding in the side of the head over and over again. He's just blood pouring out. And it was a real uh, uncomfortable vibe like you don't want to see this anymore this isn't fun anymore and that's what we wanted and that blood really added to it but you know if you can't do it you can't do it you got to think of other ways to make it make it work has there ever been a time like that match in smoky mountain that's thrill seekers match where you're like this has gone too far the thing with that though was the reason why there was so much blood for people haven't seen it if you ever seen the movie carrie when she gets the bucket of blood dumped over her head that's it what makes I that look, look like. like a flesh wound yeah <laughs> it's only a flesh wound um, i remember looking at the referee and he's covered in your blood yeah everybody <laughs> was every time i had really long hair so when i swim yeah. my hair was just like this like whipping blood all over the place it was really gross um, i'm gonna shoot that parrot how does that sound he's shocked he can't believe you bled that much <laughs> Um, so uh, I'm being upstaged by a freaking parrot. I never thought that would happen. <laughs> so, so the reason why that happened is because I had broken my arm practicing a shooting star press hours earlier. I, I had gotten into my head that I could do a shooting star press because I was touring in Japan quite a bit. And there was a guy called Ultimo Dragon who was like, oh, you can do this. You can totally do a shooting star press because I was doing it off the diving board. And, of course, well, if you can do it off the diving board, then you can obviously do it off the top rope. So I was in Smoky Mountain, and we had the big show in Knoxville. It was at the it was, and we had been promoting this show for months. It was called Night Night of the Legends, and the Knoxville. I remember Civic Jim, Center. Civic Center. Yeah. Cornette said, "If we don't sell this, I'm so sure that we're going to sell this show out that if we don't, I will go to the ring naked and sing Back in Black." <laughs> and I was like, "Please, people, buy tickets." <laughs> and he was right. The place did sell out. It was a sellout. And uh, the match was Jericho and Lance Storm, the Thrill Seekers, versus the Heavenly Bodies, Tom Pritchard, and the recently passed away Jimmy Del Rey. So um, big build up, big thing, and I was like, I was convinced, like I have to do a shooting star press, like that's how I get. Like if I don't do this, I'm the worst wrestler ever. <laughs> Meanwhile, it doesn't mean a thing if you can do it or not. But for me, if I didn't do the shooting star press, then I wasn't worth it, and I should just quit now. That's how much into my head it was. So the ring was set up before the show. I went in there. I, I, crawl, I went up to the top rope, and I went and did it. And I'd done it. I've tried it a few other times at other arenas. just bailed every time. Like, lucky I didn't, like, break my neck or kill myself. And no pads, no spotter, just me. I'm just going to do it. I really have no idea what. So I, I went and did it, and I kind of, it's, like it's like a gainer if this is my face. You go out like this. And you come around. So for the podcast, it's like a backflip. Yeah, like Liger does it. Um, Kidman used to do it. I'm not sure if anyone does it now. But it's like, it's like, it's like a gain of the diamond. You, you throw your feet out, you drop your head, and your feet kind of come over and flip and you land. So, Evan Bourne. Yeah, Evan Bourne. That's right. That's right. Santino with the Evan Bourne save. Uh, Modern so, reference. Good, good one, Santino. Very good job. So I came around and I landed, but I landed kind of on my arm. So I was like, oh, I did it. But I could see there was something wrong with my arm. And there was like a, a divot. You could see your thing, and then there was like a like a like a like a pothole in my arm. And I remember Lance was there, and he had seen it. 
And he came over and said, are you all right? I'm like, yeah. I, 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 go, I go, I did it. He goes, well, no, you didn't. It looked pretty bad. You know, typical Lance, like not no give at all. And I was like, well, look at what do you think about my arm? He's like, oh, my God. I'm like, what? He goes, does this not look right? And I was moving my arm, and it looked like a, like a pencil when you go like this. And it was just like. Were you just in shock? No, I didn't feel any pain. That's the thing. I've been very high pain tolerance my yeah. whole career. And, and he's like, oh, that's gross. And I'm like, that doesn't look right. And like, and so I said, I better go to the hospital. And there was a hospital right across the street from, uh, from the Coliseum. And I went there and checked in, and the doctor's like, okay, well, let's look at it. And he goes, does this hurt? I'm like, no, does that hurt? No. And he goes, um, uh, well, let's take some x-rays. He goes, it can't be broken because if it was, you'd be screaming in pain right now. Takes x-rays. He comes back. He says, I can't believe it. You've broken your, your radius, this, this bone in the arm. He goes, it's completely snapped in two. And I'm like, well, I got to go. I have a match tonight. Like, I can't have a broken arm. He's like, you got a broken arm. You need surgery now. And I was like, um, well, how about I come in for surgery tomorrow, and I'll just go back to the arena and just, like, sit in the crowd because it's a big match. He's like, I can't wrestle. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to wrestle. I'll just go sit in the front row and be like, you know, cheer my partner on. He's like, all right, but you better be back here. No wrestling. And here's, uh, here's some, you know, pills or whatever. And he put me, like, kind of in a soft cast. And then I went back to the arena and walked inside, and uh, Jim Cornette started flipping out. You stupid idiot, you stupid MRF, or what the hell's wrong with you, stupid son of a bitch? What's wrong with you? I'm like, don't worry, Jimmy. I'm still going to wrestle the match. He's going, how are you going to wrestle the match with a broken arm, you stupid idiot? And I'm like, don't worry, I'm going to do it. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, and leaves. So now it's like, and we had this big match planned with this double flips and all this, that, and a shooting star press, and it dives to the floor and like super kicks and blah, 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 blah. And it was the big win for the thrill seekers to vanquish the evil heavenly bodies. And we got there, and, and, and Jimmy and Tom were like, dude, you got a broken arm. I'm like, I know, I'm still going to wrestle. Like, are you sure? Yes. All right. And we worked this match, and it's one of the most fantastic things you've ever seen because it's an actual wrestling match with a guy who has a broken arm. And I'm giving him body slams, like yeah. one arm. I had no idea until you told me. Hip toss. There was, uh, they go for a hip toss. They block it, put the leg on the, on, the, on the back and flip over, doing all that stuff. And then the culmination of it was that I would get cut open. And then they would stop the match because it was excessive blood. But the thrill seekers would, please don't stop the match. Let us fight. Let us fight. And they, if you want, okay. And then we would roll them up right away and win. Yeah. Thing is, truth is stranger than fiction. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, because that's exactly what happened. Exactly. Because when I got cut, it was the cut was very small. I actually had the the uh, utensil in my soft cast. And it was just a really, really small little cut but because I had so much, I guess it was painkillers or probably adrenaline, shock. From yeah. having a broken arm still, that, that one little thing was just, boom, so much blood. Worse than any great Muda match you've ever seen or anything. Just so much blood. And that's why that worked because the finish was supposed to be stop the match because he's bleeding too much. And I really was. And I had a broken arm. It was uncomfortable. And then they, the referee restarted the match. I rolled up the, the, I think, Tommy uh, or um, Dr. Tom. We win. Everybody's so happy. The thrill seekers win. The thrill seekers win. And, uh, and then I go to the hospital the next day and I'm out for eight weeks and that was the last match I ever wrestled at, at, at uh, Smoky Mountain and the worst part of it of all was I'd never really met any cute chicks there for the six months that I was there and beforehand we had to do signing and there was these two girls that showed up with days like typical Daisy Duke two of them 
Like these girls were so hot Tennessee country girls. And like, we want to hang out with you after the show. We'll meet you at Cotton Eye Joe's. It was this big car. I'm going to Cotton Eye Joe's. I got two Daisy Dukes. And I couldn't go because I had to go to the stupid hospital <laughs> with my stupid broken arm. And that's the worst thing that happened because of that. Mind you, if you had shown up looking like Leatherface with blood all over you, I think they would have. It, the, it was the dirty south. It, it might have worked. Yeah. It might have worked. Um, so after that, do you go to Japan, to New Japan? Or is that a little later? Well, no, I was uh, I was working with War with, uh, with WAR. Yeah. But you do do you go to New Japan at a, to do I went that to, tournament? Uh, yeah, well, I went to New Japan when I started with WCW. Okay, uh, just about uh, you worked with Jado and Gato uh, at the time in in New Japan. They're now the big Booker. Well, let me go a little oh, yeah. further back. Yeah, let's go question. I met Jado and Gato when they were working in in Mexico. Oh, really? When they had no money, I used to buy them hot dogs because they had no money. Then they went to WAR, which stood for Wrestle and Romance. Which is very much a Japanese English thing, wrestling romance. War. I say, okay, what do you work for? Wrestling romance. All right, um, so better was, than TNA. Yeah, right. But that was a great as a name. I mean, I'm not saying about anything. But yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was. It was better than TNA. It was a pretty badass company. It was. It was like back in the in the 90s, as you know, uh, there was a lot of wrestling companies in Japan, uh-huh. a lot. And you could. There, I remember looking in the back of, of of the Weekly Gong Pro Wrestling magazine, and there was like. 30 companies there's so many and the big ones was still all japan new japan fmw was still hot but war was up there too top mm-hmm. three or four and jato and gato went there and then we actually worked together and then we became a team mm-hmm. the three of us with uh with fuyuki was his name and we were called team no respect mm-hmm. and that was the first time i ever got a real main event push as a heel was with team no respect the three japanese guys and the one you know, Canadian guy, Calgary kid is what they used to call us, me and Benoit. And, you know, anybody that trained in Calgary was known as the Calgary kid, Calgary kids. So um, and that really worked. So now I go and leave and they go and bop around. And now, like you said, they are now the bookers of, of the Japan. biggest wrestling company in Japan, New Japan, which is very cool to see. Well, yeah, because New Japan is having a big upswing right now. And I was just wondering, do you watch any wrestling? At this point, like, would you have a chance no, to watch it? No, people get mad at me because I don't watch wrestling when I'm not involved. Well, I, uh, you, you know, know, playing in a band, like, the last thing I want to do is hear a band like me when I'm not on stage. Yeah, so. but the thing is, like, I, I always was more into watching music and, and knowing musical trivia. I don't know anything about wrestling trivia. It just was never my thing. Like, I love... I love being in wrestling, but like, oh, who, who was the, the second Intercontinental Championship? Or you remember the, 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 the WrestleMania main event of number nine? It's like, I have no idea. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You too? Yeah, I'm really bad. Yeah. But if you ask me who played guitar on the, you know, the third Iron Maiden record, I'll tell you who played guitar, what kind of guitar it was, what strings they used, whatever. That's always been more my thing. So when I'm not doing wrestling... I'd much rather watch, you know, one of my one of my TV shows or go online and watch Kiss from 1984, whatever. TNA, well, yeah, literal <laughs> TNA. I'll go watch, literal, go watch some Porno. <laughs> um, but this brings me actually to a great question. Uh, great question. I'm putting myself over this question. <laughs> this brings me to a, a topic I wanted to touch on, which is the fact that like Sami Zayn and Neville were on the podcast. Yeah, and you talked about the change in kind of the vibes backstage in, in, in the locker room in wrestling now and how yeah. these guys are into Archie comics and versus uh, Daisy Dukes. you love this. So, you know Zayn and Neville? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were overseas with them. And I see Zayn and he's got a – I don't really know him, right? And I see he's got an Archie comic in his bag. 
I'm like, why do you have an Archie comic? He's like, because I love Archie. And I'm like, I used to love Archie like when I was 10, but like I loved Archie. Suddenly, we're having this long, involved, 45-minute long conversation about Archie. And I'm like, man, as time's changed. <laughs> 10 years ago, it was popping pills and drinking. And now we're sitting in the back of the locker room talking about Jughead and Betty and Veronica. And that's... <laughs> Right, and that's why I want because Neville's the same. These yeah. two guys, they're like they're like two yous. If you could be two guys, the conversations you'd have with yourself. Yeah, Zane's a pretty funny guy. I had a chance to talk to him a couple of times. He's funny. Yeah, very funny. And they, they 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 play games with each other, like quiz off, like okay, what temperature does water boil in Celsius? You know, and like stuff like that. Like okay, they play Pictionary with each other. Like these guys are like the two biggest idiots ever, but like in a fun way. Yeah. So they were great on the podcast. That's yeah, why they were amazing. Yeah. But. You know, you talk about that generational shift that's kind of happened. And, like, you know, both you guys saying you're not nerds about wrestling, but you talk to, you or talk to, you listen to podcasts interviewing modern wrestlers. A lot of them were wrestling nerds and were obsessed with the trivia. Well, and, and I was a wrestling nerd. Yeah, no, I mean, wrong. you weren't a like, fan. I, I read but, the magazines yeah. and I bought the magazines and I was super into it. I just don't know, like, actual trivia. Like, Cody Rhodes. Cody knows everything. Like you ask, hey Cody, who was the who was the, the Starcade match uh, from '89? Oh, uh, you know Flair and Steamboat and blah blah blah. Yeah, that's the one. Like he knows all of that sort of stuff. I was I could I never got into the deep levels of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Do you think that's like now? It seems like there's a, a wrestler breed. Well, this is once again just from a, an outside observer who seems to be more of that. You know, and I mean this in the loving list term possible more of a nerd a wrestling nerd i think so because i mean the, the, the whole business has changed yeah and i think it's changed in rock and roll too i mean maybe it's because we've gotten older maybe because people got smarter but you know in the 80s if you were a wrestler or if you were in a rock and roll band it was pure decadent drugs mm -hmm. sex you know as much as you could do every type of drug and even when i came in i had one foot in the old school one foot in the new school all the guys that trained me were the crazy raging partiers. All the guys on top were there. But all the guys that were kind of my level, yeah, you party a little bit. But, like, I never, I've never taken drugs in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, maybe a few little things in there. But the big drugs, like, like cocaine or something, I've never had that ever in my life. Never taken cocaine. But, you know, drinking, yes, I like to drink. It's fun to drink. It's, 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 it's. Maybe it's because of, I've been on the road since I was 19, but I never got too crazy with it to where it, envelop my life and i think in music it's like that too the guys who are just partying all the time that's gone down because you got to realize if you're going to be that guy you're not going to make it anymore no you have to be completely focused on what you want to do and what you have to do to make it and i think in the 90s early 2000s in wrestling i mean a lot of guys died a lot of my friends passed away mm -hmm. you know and that like it's funny because when i go on the road i hang out with zane and neville and the usos and uh and, and big Us reigns and ambrose and uh, seth like uh, ziggler miz those guys are my friends and they're all 10 years younger than me but they're, that's who I hang out with because all the guys that I know are pretty much gone. They're either retired or dead. And when that started happening over and over again, the company as a whole really took control. Very stringent drug testing. And that's real. That's not, that's not bullshit. Anybody thinks, oh, this, it's real drug testing. And he'll tell you. And it's for everything. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, I had a, I, I had a, a, the T ratio, which is your testosterone level that you're allowed to have in the Olympics is six to one in the WWE. It's four to one. So we're, we're tougher than the Olympics is. And a few years ago, back in 2008, I kept getting readings of 10 to one, eight to one, nine to one. And the guy finally called me and said, listen, you know, 
what do you like? You got another elevated level. I'm like, dude, okay, listen. I know you think that I'm on something, but I'm not. So if I wasn't on something, what could this be? Is it like, well? You got to be on something. I, no, I'm okay. I understand what you're saying, but I'm telling you, I'm not. And if I'm not on something, what could it be? Because that's what, scary at that yes. point too. And he goes, well, you probably have a tumor. I'm like, what? He goes, you probably have a tumor. I'm like, what kind of a doctor says that? Well, you probably have a tumor. He goes, well, that's all. You've got to have a tumor. I'm like, okay. So let's say I have a tumor. What do I do? I'm going to send you to an endocrinologist. I'm like, okay. He goes, when are you home next week? I said, no. No, 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 no. I'm in Memphis today. You're going to find me an endocrinologist today, and I'm going there today. So I went with, uh, with Doc Gaiman, who's been nothing but a total pro with me my entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went there and, and got uh, the endocrinologist. We had the tests. And later on, you have a naturally elevated level of testosterone. It just happens sometimes. You don't have a tumor. You're not on anything. You just have a naturally elevated level. And I was like, oh, thank God. And then that doctor finally called. He's like, well, we see on the charts that you have a naturally elevated level of testosterone. I'm like, yes. He goes, well, we've decided that we're not going to suspend you. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't suspend me. <laughs> it's like suspending me for having a naturally big nose. Like I have, it's natural. You can't suspend me, you dummy. You know, and that's but that's how strict the testing is. And is I, it, no one's that good looking. You're on something. <laughs> <laughs> but where's the parrot now? <laughs> silent, dead silent. <laughs> so my my point being, that was a roundabout story to say that the testing is real. Concussion testing, heart testing, everything is very very strict because they wanted to stop guys from basically dying at a young age and wanted to take control of it. So it is a different world now. So when the guys like Sami Zayn come in and those type of guys, they don't do anything. And they don't feel forced like they have to do anything. Like when I started, if you'd have a beer in your hand, guys would want to, you know, fight you. That's, it was, that's the way it was back in those days. Really? Yeah. So um, w- with that being said, this brings up like an interesting, well, another f- fruit tray is coming. <laughs> Wow, geez. Oysters. Oysters. <laughs> Oysters. Holy jeez, did I sign up for the right podcast? This is unbelievable. <laughs> We're going to have to uh, oh. give these out later. I didn't know all this yeah, stuff was coming. Actually, high libido. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't know about everyone else here, but this thing just got a little more erotic. Oh, he doesn't know what it is, but it smells good. Okay, good. So we got lots of food here. And if you, yeah, you guys got to see this spread that uh, this Heroes is, has done for us. They've, you got to see the store. We've got nuts. We've got uh, chocolate-covered things. There's an alligator. Alligator. There's we know there's a parrot. It's like lemurs. a zoo. It's a restaurant. It's a comic book store. And it's you know, a great place. We're going to go feed the uh, alligator. Is that an alligator or a crocodile? Whatever that is, we're going to feed it oysters after yeah, it's this. It's the only living one in Canada, I'll tell you that. <laughs> in this weather. Yeah, exactly. Pterodactyl, there's a car, a Camaro, Darth Vader's here too. Everything. So, okay. So, onward to the podcast. So, it brings up an interesting point, though. Was this a WWE doctor that was telling you that it might be a tumor? The parrot's here now. It was the, uh, let's get the parrot out of here. The parrot's disrupting the flow. Take the parrot away. (laughs) Be gone, parrot. If this was Game of Thrones, he'd be beheaded right now. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. So, um,. Yeah, it was it was it was the the doctor the, the the Pittsburgh doctors that they have. Does it is it it's a weird situation to have your employer be the one who supplies you with a medical care professional? Well, it's an outside. It's well, an outside yeah, I caution. guess so. It's an out. But, the, the, but see, they had to do that because guys, you know, give a wrestler an inch, he'll take a mile. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now. You know, you're talking about the old days where guys would use fake penises to beat the tests, and there is such a thing. 
you know. How do they get around that? You don't have to get into that. I was going to no, ask. You, you, you seen it, if you've seen it on Entourage, that yeah. came from wrestling. Remember, he had to beat the test, so they had a fake penis with, with somebody else's I've penis. I've also seen it in the ads in high times. But, I mean, do, <laughs> they, do, they, get, do they have a way to prevent well, you from They watch that? you do it. Whoa. Yes, we're talking about stage fright. Yeah, I can I only imagine. Fright. Yeah, it's hard to have someone watching you full frontal as you're trying to pee in the cup. But they had to do that because if not, guys would cheat. Mm-hmm. It's always been the way. And now that guys know they can't cheat, it really has changed that locker room for the, for the better. And anybody that says differently, in, in my opinion, is wrong. I think the company really grabbed the, the bull by the horns to, to make it a more safer uh, environment all across the board. Well, you're the original guy who had trouble at the workplace at WWE, like the original guy that was fairly open about everything you experienced there right. and, and things like that. In 1999, you start Fozzie. That's also kind of coinciding with, you know, in, at least in, in Undisputed, you talk about Triple H and, and, and Vince and all these people kind of making your life miserable at that company. Right. Was that your way of having a backup plan? Um, we actually started Fozzie right before I came into the WWE. Oh, really? And, okay. and they wanted to sign Fozzie. They had a record label at the time, yeah. WWE Records. I didn't want that. I always wanted to keep Fozzie separate from the WWE because I knew what people would think if I didn't. Oh, it's just a wrestling thing, like the, like the Hulk Hogan wrestling album or mm-hmm. the Randy Savage rap album. Like, and it was never that. Like, it's a real thing. It's a real project that we can, you know, we can kick ass with. So I was very um, cognizant of keeping those things separate. Now. We never really did Fozzie full-time until about 2009 just because I was so involved. But I don't know if Fozzie was the backup plan, but I definitely had other – see, the thing is for me is like I worked my whole life to get to the WWE. Mm -hmm. It's all I cared about. That's why I worked in Calgary in the small towns. That's why I went to Mexico so I could make it to Japan so someone would hopefully see me so I could get to ECW, so I could go to WWE. Now, my only – Hinged, and that was that I didn't go from WWE because WWE didn't. They called me to be the, the goon. Yeah, the goon. <laughs> so w- WCW moment. WCW called me yeah. because they were interested in using me as me. So, but still, I went to WCW hoping, like, if I go to WCW now, Vince will see me. Mm-hmm. He has to, and that's kind of was the journey. So, all I cared about was working there. So, when I finally got there after three months and basically getting blackballed right off the bat, the last thing I wanted to do was give up. I was like, you know. F this, I know how to get over because I've gotten over everywhere I've ever been. And I know what politics are because I've dealt with it a little bit in WCW. This is hardcore politics. But, you know, like Eddie Guerrero said, his dad used to tell him, uh, cream will always rise to the top because it says wrestling. It's called wrestling. And if you can wrestle, you'll always have a job. You know, and I, and I, I knew what to do. It's the same thing when Daniel Bryan first came in. I knew he would get over mm-hmm. because he had done it everywhere else. It took him a long time to get over with the WWE, you know, brass. Mm-hmm. But I knew he'd figure out a way because that's what you do. If, you, if you're over in a bingo hall, it doesn't matter if it's only a bingo hall with 200 people. You're still over. And to get over with 20,000 people, you got to start with one. Mm-hmm. And you got to start with 10 and then 200. And if you can get over in those situations, anybody can have a great show at Soundwave in front of 50,000 people. Anybody can get a reaction at WrestleMania. Go get a reaction in front of 10 people. Go have a great show in front of 25 drunks in a, in a, in a pub somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's when you know if you can do this or not. And um, I knew I could do it. So even though it sucked at the beginning and it was hard, I still wasn't going to give up. Okay. Well, I just want to have... I guess we're, we're going to do the audience questions, well, so I don't want to take... We can talk for another couple minutes. We can talk more? Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. We, that actually, it's my show. We can do what we want, right? You guys want to hear some more? You guys want us to add another 15 minutes? All right. I just noticed that guy looks exactly like Dr. Evil right there. He's got the suit and everything. 
What a place. This is the best comedy show. We got show. Parrots. We got Dr. Evil. We got Santino. I know. Woodbridge, bro. I know. My last time I was here was 20 years ago to record my first band's first demo. That's what you said. I know. Now I'm back. I'm like, why That's did pretty I cool. stay away? This place is so awesome. <laughs> Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure if you ask every single person in this room, you say cream always rises at the top. There's someone here that we could each probably name that we thought should have been bigger than they were. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that you thought, you know, you've spun around obviously a long enough time that you thought didn't get a fair enough shake or could have? It's, hard, honestly to, it's, think it's, it's hard to say because a lot of it's up to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't just sit back and wait for the way I got to wait for my push. When am I going to get my push? I remember Lex Luger one time. Uh, in WCW, when Hogan was working the main events, I remember Luger coming in and going, oh, man, I feel bad for you guys. Like, I'm still waiting for my chance to get the top push. And you guys got to wait for me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You've been on top for the last 10 freaking years, man. But because he wasn't in the main, main, yeah. main, main event, he still wasn't happy with the push. So, um, you know, it, 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 at, at risk but he had a kick at the can, right? Like, he, he, he did, did main he event. Did, he did, But yeah. there's probably guys... That you could think that didn't ever get that shot, or like, or maybe never got out of something you know, developmental, or, um, but or not. I, mean, I, I think a guy like like for, you know Santino mentioned Evan Bourne. That's why I'm thinking of him. Like we worked together about four or five years ago, and I remember saying to Vince, you know, if you want me to work with him, are you going to do something with him? Yes, because I will put him over and I'll make him a star. But are you going to do something with him? Yes. We went out there and, and had these great matches and tore the damn house down. And a month later, he's you know losing to Funaki on Sunday Night Heat. Mm-hmm. So there's guys. I mean, uh, uh, Kofi Kingston. The night he put, and you were there. He put uh, big pop for Kofi Kingston. The night Kofi Kingston put Randy Orton through the table at Madison Square Garden, he he was a superstar. Mm-hmm. He was there. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, they they pulled back on it. Same thing happened with with me in 2000. I wasn't doing anything. I beat Triple H for the title at at State College. Um, and then had to give it back 15 minutes later. Yeah. But had had they not made me give it back and I would have been the champion, that could have been, you know, who knows? You could have went straight because people bought that mm-hmm. huge. And I always say that I was the George Harrison of the Attitude Era. And what I mean by that is that George Harrison is one of the greatest musicians of all time. Great songwriter, great guitar player, super charismatic. His only problem is he was in a band with the two greatest musicians, songwriters, rock stars of all time in John Lennon and Paul McCartney. I came into the WWE as a very popular babyface and worked my way up the ladder very quickly. Mm-hmm. My only problem was I was in a company that had Steve Austin and The Rock as the top babyfaces. Now, there's nothing that George can do to beat Paul and John. There's nothing Jericho can do to beat Rock and Steve except for turn heel, which I did. And that's when I got to the next level as a heel. But to be the actual man in the WWE, had those guys not been there, I could have got it. Mm-hmm. You never know. It could have been me. But those other two guys, you know, we were so lucky with that generation to have not just one once in a lifetime super over iconic character. We had two in the company at the same time. That will never happen again. Never, 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 never. Well, you- you, you, so you honestly think that was the end of that wrestling era? Like there will never be another moment where it'll I be? Just, I just think because wrestling became so cool at that time. Yeah. You know, the Monday Night Wars and all this stuff. And, and Steve was so different. And then Rock was so different. And they were both so different from each other that you could put them together. You could make them work with each other. They could do two completely separate programs. And also, too, in that time frame, you had 10 or 15 guys that were all at the top of their game that had experience character, charisma, knew exactly who they were, confidence, 
uh, input into what they were doing. I mean, think of the names, man. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Triple H, Mick Foley, Steve Austin, Rock, Jericho, Angle, Hardys, Dudleys, Edge and Christian. Uh, You know, that's just off the top of my head. I'm sure there's 10 more you can name. And that was all in the same company at the same time. Mm -hmm. That won't happen again because the business has shrunk now. Now it's 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 WWE. There's the Performance Center. There's a couple guys in Japan and Mexico, but th- this training ground is basically gone. Mm-hmm. Guys will never have another nine years to get to the WWE. Like, like it took me nine years. You know, it took Benoit ten years and Eddie ten years, whatever. But those guys were already the best, the best, the best. That type of vibe might not happen anymore. Is what I mean. So, do you think there's ever been a wrestler that's come right into WWE and you know gotten that? that famous WWE kind of like rock to the top that's been up to snuff with any of the wrestlers that have worked in those territories over the years? Like, how do you mean? Like, like, you know, like a Goldberg or like someone who was like, you know, maybe not exactly Goldberg, but well, I mean, Goldberg was a phenomenon. Yeah. in WCW. That's the thing. But that was a product of WCW. They really protected him when he came in WWE. Vince did not protect him and he didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That just was from lack of experience. Same thing happened with page, you know, and to a lesser extent Booker, like they still did good, but they weren't like given, the, the same chance yeah. that they got in WWE or in WCW. So the system is different. You have to prove yourself to one person in WWE. It doesn't matter what you do or where you came from. Until you get over with Vince, you'll never be the guy. Well, you talked about working with younger talent, and you mentioned that you don't really get a chance to watch too much wrestling. So before you come back to, to a WWE for, for a, a time, do you go through tapes to kind of be like, who's the guy I want to work I, I with? Don't, or do you just hear I don't watch. I just listen. I okay. read. I follow what's going on. I read the Raw reports every week and the SmackDown reports. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably check that out because mm-hmm. I actually like watching NXT because it reminds me of an old school stampede wrestling or, or something like that. We have a bunch of young guys and it's a small crowd, but everyone gets everybody's gimmick. And um, But I, I know what's going on. I've never been one of those guys that comes back and goes, I don't even know what this guy is. Like I know what people are doing. Yeah, because you always come back and seem to. Yeah, well, yeah, it's part of my job. Maybe not Fandango, but you always wind up. With the person who no no dis on Fandango, the, the, the but the thing is, it, it, people almost kind of like. There's no reason to say oh because the thing with Fandango was it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but the night after WrestleMania oh, was, on that Raw, he was the most over oh, character on the show, and anybody here would go oh that night people were going freaking bananas for him yeah not, completely nuts for him, and I'll take I'm taking credit for it yeah because we built that feud so well in four weeks I took a guy that no one had ever seen made people believe in him made people get into that character. And it, it was what it was. You know, like I said, it wasn't what I wanted to do at Mania. But in retrospect, I was actually very, very happy with that feud. And, and I think I think it worked out great. So um, I think to use the idea of Fandango being some kind of a of a oh moment, I think that's I think that's being unfair no, to, to what we did. And I didn't. And no, I, you didn't. But they I did. didn't say oh. It was all yeah. these other jerks, Chris. It was, it was I'm the, not like them. It was the parrot. That. It was the parrot. I thought he was really mean. But but. It was those guys. Don't let they, the loud guys. Hey, I see you. It's our show. <laughs> we have the mics. They don't. Okay, but when you, when you but when you go back there and you see these people and you and you see these wrestlers that you want to work with and and you and you're like you are the guy that can make these guys. You know, you are someone that's been around, knows what it takes to get these people over right. with the crowd. Not to use terms I should, yeah, be, but yeah, like, no. like you know, but like you you know what this does. Does it frustrate you? To then go and read these reports three months later and these guys that, you know, you put so much heart and soul into these programs with are now 
No. Losing to Funaki. No, no, because it's, it's not my that's not my job. All I can do is 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 do the best I can when we're actually working together, and then whatever happens afterwards. It's none of my business. Okay. You know, I mean, the same thing happened with Cena back in 2002. I went to Vince and said, that's your guy. And he was like, no, come on. I was like, I'm telling you, man, this guy's great. Oh, come on. I actually said I had to call him to change the finish of John's first pay-per-view match, which was in Detroit, where I said, um, he doesn't suck. He's awesome. And he said, uh, and I should know because I work with him. So shut mouth you. So um, he was... Uh, he was um, uh, he was supposed to lose the match, and I called Vince, and I was like, you know, he needs to go over. What do you mean? This is, this is your guy. I'm telling you, he's, he can do good. So Vince's like, okay, whatever you want to do. So he, he rolled me up out of the Lion Tamer. It was his first pay-per-view match, and he won it. And then, you know, we worked together for a bit, and then two months later, he's doing nothing mm-hmm. until he finally started rapping on the Halloween show, and then he suddenly they started finding something for him. But like I said, I can only do so much when I'm with the guys that I'm with. And then when they go on to the next thing, hopefully I've instilled something in them or give them some sort of confidence or some sort of ability to stand up for themselves. But a lot of guys don't want to stand up for themselves because they don't want to get heat. They don't want to get in trouble. So, and, and that's out of my hands at that point. All right. Well, before we get to these audience questions, I just have one more question for you. Speaking of stuff that's none of my business, backstage there's stories about Chris being – once again, a term I'm not supposed to use, a shooter. A uh, shooter? Yeah, well, I've, you know, Goldberg story. There's all these stories that have, have spilled out over the years. Uh, do you Battle Arts Academy, where you're training. <laughs> if it's 1999, you're at WWE now, and you're getting that treatment from the, the top, look at that, the top, the top brass, would you, be, would you be packing your bags and heading over to Battle Arts and training and maybe trying your hand at oh, UFC? Oh, hell no, man. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm in show business. You know what I mean? I, I would never do UFC, even if it was out 20 years ago. It was never my thing. Yeah. I was never the guy that could chain wrestle and put shoot holds on. Like, I know a few things because I trained, you know, at the heart, with the Hart Brothers. Mm-hmm. So you learn that stuff. But I was never really, like, good at it, nor did I study um, I like the show business aspect of wrestling. I like the, the, the character portion of it, the acting part of it. And that's something that I think a lot of younger wrestlers and even a lot of fans don't understand, that it's not about the moves that you do in the ring. It's how do you connect with an audience. Mm-hmm. It's the most important thing as, 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 a, as a wrestler, as a musician, as a stand-up comic, as anything that you're doing. You have to connect with the audience. You could have the greatest match in the world or, or play the greatest show in the world. Everything is perfect. And if the crowd is sitting in their hands, it sucks. Mm-hmm. You could go out there and do a, do a rock show and hit a million clams and mess up the cues and whatever, and the crowd is going crazy. That's all that matters. You can go out there and have a match and, and, and screw up your high spot and whatever. The crowd is going crazy. That's all that matters. It's all how you connect with the audience. And that, that's the only thing that matters. And I, that was the thing I always loved the most about wrestling was playing those characters and playing those parts. Not about like getting in there and trying to beat somebody up. Hell no. I mean, if someone's going to throw you know, a stiff shot, then I'll throw one back. But I never was interested in boxing or, or anything like, like that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. All right. Well, speaking of acting, though, one of the greatest movies of all time, critically underrated in my opinion, MacGruber. <laughs> There's talk of a MacGruber 2. Is wow. there going to be a resurrection? I hope so. If it's a prequel, maybe uh, maybe Frank can get in there again. Yeah. That, was, that was a blast, man. We, we had a great time with that. And the funny thing about that was it was typical Jericho. When we got the script, they wanted a bunch of WWE guys to be in the movie. So you picked those to guys? To be mercenaries. I didn't pick them. Oh, okay. But when we got the script, I'm like, well, I'm not going to do it unless I get lines. Yeah. And they're like, well, they want you to be in this. I don't care. I want some lines. So they gave me the script that I actually had like two lines. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I was like, 
It's not enough. <laughs> so I trained with the Groundlings, which is an improv comedy yep. troupe in L.A. Phil Hartman was a Groundling. Kristen Wiig is a Groundling. Lisa Kudrow, you know, Will Ferrell. So, um, and so was Will Forte, who actually played MacGruber. Mm-hmm. So when he started uh, his line, which was, I can't remember what it was, like uh, whatever he said, I, I just, I said my line, he said his, and then I threw another one out there that I just made up. And then he like, oh, this is responded, improv. Yeah. And he responded, and I responded. So it took like a two-line scene, and it got to about 12 lines, and it ended up being like one of the best. Yeah. Scenes in the oh, movie. Oh, it's an amazing movie. And, and but I was like, the worst that can happen is they say, "Hey, just stick to the script, kid." But if I throw this out, then they love. Oh, that's great. We love it. And I was like, "Yay! I got more lines." So that's so. There you go. Once again, if you want something, just go do it. The secret to Chris Jer- Jericho's success is when they give you an inch, demand a mile. Demand, take a mile. Take a mile. Yeah, you can always give it back. Are you ready for some crowd questions? We have a nice little uh, Indiana Jones. No, it's Freddy Krueger. Oh, Freddy Krueger hat. Oh, that's why it's got a hole in it. Yeah. And well, we have some audience questions. We're going to turn it over to the audience questions. Let me see it first. <laughs> Just to make sure. <laughs> and obviously the first question. What is your opinion of CM Punk going to UFC? And so we kind of touched on it a little bit, but. I think, oh, that's your question. That that's your question? Wow, he's in the front row, too. Uh, I think it's great. I love it. I love the fact that um, he's going to do something that he wants to do and that he's taking a chance on doing something different. And I know what it's like to do that. And I know there's going to be a lot of people going, oh, he's going to get his ass kicked and this kind of thing. My opinion is if he's going to be going into this, you know he's going to be given 10,000%. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be good at it or die trying. So um, I wouldn't want to be guy to face him in his first fight i'll tell you that have you ever bought a ufc pay-per-view before have i uh maybe if i had some some friends over maybe actually i bought the one that brock uh i bought the brock's first one and then i bought his last one those are the two that i bought because you know you're cheering for your for your friends so this could be the third this will be the third i will buy it actually i tried to buy the batista one but i couldn't find it but i watched it uh, as soon as i could so if my friends are doing it i want to i want to see him do good that goes for anything acting movies you know uh musicians whatever support your friends who's the next breakout at nxt breakout star obviously but breakout finn baylor there is um i can't remember what kenta's new name is itami and then steen is now kevin owen who's the one who's impressed you the most so far that's kind of come out because now we've seen a, a class or two well the thing is i've never seen like that's already on the main roster i should say like well i mean the shield man yeah, the i shield mean those roster. three guys are amazing i think uh, uh cesaro is amazing mm-hmm. you know very underrated and does have a personality that meanwhile the boss doesn't see it yet but um i do and I, I, yeah it's just a matter of finding the right way to do it I would and, and he'll 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 get over i'm telling you right now he he will do you think the kurt cobain conspiracy is real uh, no, I think Kurt was a, a tortured artist, and that was part of his genius, that he was also very, very depressed. And uh, it's a drag, man. I went and saw the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, and the three biggest nominees were Kiss, Nirvana, Linda Ronstadt, and Hall and & Oates. Linda couldn't show up because she has bad Parkinson's. Kiss didn't play because they couldn't work it out. Uh, Nirvana played with, like, Joan Jett, which was rad. Yeah. But the only band that was able to play that was real was Hall & Oates. The one they you still, wanted to see. They, they killed it, man. They were they awesome. Did. They were awesome. We were on the bus the other night watching the Midnight Special. Do you remember that show? Yeah. It was Most a show in the too. 70s that had all these amazing bands on it. And they all played live. Mm-hmm. It was like Aerosmith and Paul and Oates and Blondie and like, uh, what's that? Like, uh, Lady Marmalade, uh, oh, uh, LaBelle. Yeah. Like everyone was just killing it. And Hall and Oates was on. They're just blowing it away. So that's what we watch on our tour bus, guys. We watch Hall and Oates from the 70s. How rock and roll. Uh, well, actually, I was, that brings a question. 
Uh, listen to music backstage. Uh, mm. Who decides what? Because you know Dean Ambrose talked about playing music backstage in the locker room. Who decides that? Like and does at like, a Fozzie show? No, no, at a, at a WWE event. Just whoever really brings their radio. Like like, like Ambrose mentioned that Reigns likes kind of be in the yeah. center. He's got his little radio on. But those guys all listen to like Waylon Jennings and stuff like that. It's not my scene. So I'll usually go on the other side and put on you know ACDC or is BGS there, or whatever. I want. Is to there hear. any veto power? Like, could you ever be like, no? I could probably that. veto it because you know, yeah. Yeah, I can pretty much do whatever <laughs> I want at this point. <laughs> uh, who was better, Ralphus or Curtis? Oh my God, Curtis ha- uh, Curtis Hayes what was his name? Kurt- Curtis Hughes. He was awful. He had a uh, he had narcolepsy, so he would fall asleep in the middle of matches and stuff. And actually, I think he lost the Intercontinental Championship once because he bent over for a backdrop and fell asleep. And then they just had, yeah, for real. Like, I think he was working Duggan, and he was supposed to bend over and backdrop Duggan or something. Paul, Paul, Paul Heyman knows the story. And, uh, and the guy fell asleep, and, and Duggan just rolled him up one, two, three, and that was the end. Ralphus was, uh, Ralphus was a guy, uh, I was doing this thing with, with Goldberg where I was calling him out, and he would walk out to the ring with guards. And I thought, well, I should have security guards, but they should, instead of being like big guys, they should just be misfits, like just a bunch of idiots. And I used to see this guy around. His name was John Riker, and he was the guy who drove the lighting truck. And he had these crazy teeth that stuck out. He had no front teeth, and these uh, molars or incisors, or whatever, that just stuck right out like spikes, like stalagmites in a in a cave. And uh, he was like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I was like, hey, good day. Oh, I'm just hanging out. That's fun. Good times. So the one time before I went to the ring, I was like, hey, man. You want to be on TV? And this is this is how WCW was. Like I didn't ask anybody. I just like, hey man, you want to be on TV? He's like, sure. I said, okay. Um, here, come here. I'm gonna. He had a, like a white T-shirt on, and so I said, can I use it? Do you have another shirt? He goes, yeah. Can I buy this one from it? You can have it. So I cut it in half and made it like a half shirt, and I wrote Jericho Personal Security on it, JPS in marker, and I said, put this on. So he put it on. He had gut hanging out. He had dress pants with a belt, and I said, we just walk to the ring and like. <laughs> mean like just like he's like no don't touch him don't touch him and of course you watch it back and he's smiling he's like shaking hands like, hey how are you doing how's it going so he became kind of like my bodyguard but he was the worst because he didn't understand anything he was so excited to be on tv and then he started showing up on house shows just randomly because if he, if the truck had to go to detroit and we were in cleveland just yeah, trying to make dates 100 miles away making towns brother so i remember i we, i would come to the ring with him at house shows and then i remember i was working with like hooven guerrero or something we won the match and then i go stand on the side of like on the ring on the corner and I'm like people boo boo and I'm like yeah go to hell boo and I hear these cheers coming from behind me and I turn around and Ralph is standing on the second rope going yay I'm like come here what what are you doing we're bad guys he's like but the people are so nice they're cheering for me I just want to and I'm like stop it and then the other time uh, you see him and he, he's in the like the front seat of his truck with some some Ralphus rat, <laughs> and it's like you can imagine what Ralphus rats look like. And then it's like and another time, it's like, and Arn's like you know you better watch your guy. He's out there in the truck with some girls. I'm like dude, I, I got no control <laughs> over. Oh it's not my guy. So then the other time, then they started wanting him to get involved in the matches, and I was like he can't do anything. Oh, no, just have him assault. Just have him grab a leg, brother. When when Hugh Morris goes up for the for the moon salt, Ralphus will grab his leg, and then you can turn it around. Is that your Kevin Sullivan? By uh, the way, yes, the worst. I do. <laughs> I, I, do I do one imitation, which is a Lars Ulrich. That's no, it. you nailed you nailed Jim yeah. Cornette. Okay, you stupid bastard! What the hell's wrong with you? Um, so uh, I, 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 I'm doing this match with Hugh Morris, and he's going up for the moonsault. And I'm looking at Ralph. So of course, he's got his back turned, talking to some girl in the front row. He misses his cue. Everything falls apart. You know, able to stitch it back together. And afterwards, we go to the back, and he's standing. He's got a bouquet of flowers. 
he goes, uh, I go, what's that? He goes, oh, the girl in the front row, she liked me, so she gave me this bouquet. I said, really? And that's why you missed your cue, you know that? He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I said, yeah. I grabbed the bouquet, and I took it, and I beat him over the head with it. Like, you stupid. Boom, boom. Like, flowers are flying everywhere. He's like, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, so uh, he was not cut out. And then, you know, and, I, and then they put him with other guys after me, and they were hog-tying him, and he was in hardcore matches, and it just uh, wasn't good. So you're going to bring him back when you come back? I actually <laughs> briefly thought about it when I was coming to WWE in 99. Like, hey, Ralph, do you want to come to WWE? <laughs> Can you imagine what Vince would have thought of that? Like, this is just me just doing all this on my own. Like, never asked anybody anything. You know, we, we had, you know, it, it was just there was no really any rules there. I think no he's really been cared. waiting t- like 20 years to get this he call is. back. He might, he might be here right now. He might be. He's probably asking somebody if they want fries with that somewhere. <laughs> Cyclical. He's out front in a car with some fans. Uh, What's it like jumping off the cage? Oh, um, you mean like off the oh, like last couple months ago? Yeah, I I did it in 1993. I remember we had a cage match in Lethbridge, Alberta, and it was a real um, shaky cage. And I was like, I gotta jump off this cage, and we did it. And that was so I was 22, I guess 20, 21, 22. So then we had this cage match um, in Baltimore. It was like the culmination of this feud that Wyatt and I had over the summer. And so we, we were kicking off the show, and I, I went there, and I just like, oh, this would be cool to jump off that. I haven't done it in 20 years. I should do it. I feel good. You know, whatever. Whatevs. You've never and, done it any other time? No. Oh, that's crazy. No, I never jumped off the top. I might have taken a bump or something. Yeah. But I never, I never taken a, like a crossbody off it. So, yeah, it was, it was great, man. I loved it. It was one of those things where – you know, it's so cool when you do something like that. And it's funny because people are like, I want to slam you for it, you know? Yeah. Which I didn't even know about because I wasn't watching the slammies. And Vince texts me. He's like, you just want to slam me. I had Fandango make the acceptance for you. I couldn't help myself. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and I was like, you <laughs> dick. You know, he's like, ha, ha, ha. Will so, you get the slammy? Do you get to keep the slammy? No, you don't. I have, oh. I, I've actually stolen two slammies. I've stolen them. Yeah, because I think I've won four and I stole two of them. So I'm sure I'll show up tomorrow night when I'm the general manager of Raw, and they'll be like, fight Fandango for a Slammy Slam. pole match or something. <laughs> but um, Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, so I, I won the Slammy for it, and people were like, uh, oh, well, sure, you, you did the dive off the cage and you know, for no reason instead of just climbing out over the top, and that's why you lost the match. I'm like, no, that's not what happened. I climb over the top of the cage, and standing down there are the two freaks, the two Wyatt families. They're giant. They're huge. They're looking at me. They're screaming. I can't go down because they're going to kill me, so i got to go back up again and then look down and see Wyatt and say, eh, what the hell, and that's what I did it. So uh, it, was, it was a blast, man. I really enjoyed it. It was fun to, like, I still got it. I can still do it, and that's what pushes me to know that I can still do stuff like that and still want to. The day I feel like, eh, I shouldn't do that, I'll, I'll, I swear to you I will quit the moment I ever feel that way. I'll quit. I'll just never work again. Really? So that would be – you wouldn't want to have a final kind of nope. run or anything? No, 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 no. I'm the opposite of that. I don't want to have a teary WrestleMania last match crying on the way out, everyone cheering. F that, man. I just want to disappear into the sunset and you never see me again in, in the ring. That, that's what will happen. I still love doing it. I still feel I can go out there and – have the best match on the show on, on any given night. I mean, there's other guys that, that will do it too. But if, you know, the last match I wrestled against Randy at the Night of Champions was the best match on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. So as long as I still get those, um, I'll still be happy to, to continue doing what I'm doing. Well, not that you want this teary WrestleMania moment, but I can't think of a better place to have it than this next question. In Woodbridge. <laughs> can Woodbridge get a WrestleMania? No, can Toronto and surrounding area, Woodbridge obviously too, get a WrestleMania? Because well, you have power in this. So Toronto I had a WrestleMania. I, I headlined it. I know, but 19. that was a, was a while ago, Chris. Well, like, but I mean, still, I mean, it was, that was not, I mean, it's like Super Bowls don't come every five years or ten years. 
We've, we had two. You had two. Was, that's yeah, right. Like, the famous Skydome Warrior. Uh, were you at that, Santino? No, was there one in Exhibition Stadium a long time ago? No, there was that. Oh, that giant, was Paul Orndorff. Yeah, yeah. The, but, but it wasn't the, the one. It was it was Hogan and Warrior. Was and it was in the Toronto. first at Dome? It was the Dome one. It was yeah. the first Dome one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, ask, uh, six. ask six. Six. I'm glad you guys are saying this because Vince listens to every one of my podcasts, so he'll be sure to hear that. Has he ever heard of your podcast? No, I, I never really asked him because I knew that Steve would, would get him. But I, yeah. I felt good that when I got Triple H and I got another – I got two out of the top five or six that you could get. So I'm happy with that. But um, Plus, yeah, Santino. Santino and I did a, an episode, which was amazing. And so many people got mad because we did it in character, which was awesome. And people were like, we want to hear the real story. I'm like, you guys are stupid. We talk about Figaro the Goat. Oh, what a great goat he was. <laughs> yeah, it was 45 minutes in character, and I was having a It was so much time, fun. Man. We were laughing our asses off, man. It was super fun. But people, fans are crazy. They're mad because they wanted to hear the real Anthony Corelli, the story of how you came through. It was good, though. Well, that's part two. Let's do, let's do one more question. And then All we'll right, one up. more question. Who do you want to face at the next WrestleMania? Who would you want to face at this WrestleMania? I don't know, man. Whoever's around that's got some steam and that's doing good, you know. Um, Can I ask you one last question, then? Of course. It's your, you're running the show. All man. right. <laughs> I'm adding another 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> with, when Triple H was on the show, that was a weird podcast. I just finished rereading Undisputed. Right. Hearing Triple H on the podcast, is it weird to be now... I assume friends with someone that actively tried to sabotage you. No, because it's like, you know, I, I probably just as actively tried to sabotage him with the, with the locker room. You know, mm -hmm. we, we sat down and talked and that's why I love having a podcast mm -hmm. because you can sit down like, you know, even when, when, when Santino did, we, we, we talking for 45 minutes. We've known each other for years, even though it was in character, you never get a chance to really talk that long. Mm -hmm. Triple H and I had never spoken for 90 minutes good friends now and it was great to like we're like we used to hate each other in like 2002 and 2001 2000 and then we're sitting there like going like why why did we hate each other so much like what was the point of that you know like it's just the way things were you're young you know you want to you know mess you know you want to be the top of the top and um you know when you get a chance to do do an interview with like with him like that i mean we're all older now if it was still going on there'd be a different story but you know i, I think it was a two-way sabotaging you know, um, and that's okay because that, that's what happens when, you, when you're younger. It's the same reason why, you know, Aerosmith broke up or, you know, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry told each other F off and finally get back together 10 years later. You grow up and you realize, you know what, we had it pretty good. We should probably not mess this up. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't weird at all. It was, it was actually kind of fun. And I was really, really honored that he did that show because he went out of his way to do it. He didn't have to. So it was very cool. Well, speaking of honors, we're going to wrap this up. It's been an honor to host Talk is Abraham. <laughs> uh, Talk is Jericho. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being so supportive, being here. The Parrot, Santino, this has been awesome. Thank you, everyone. And uh, next week I'm going to host again, right? That's a great job, yeah. All right, I'm giving you. up the show to you. Thanks to my special guest host, Damian Abraham from Effed Up. He did a great job moderating the audience questions and interviewing me for Toronto is Jericho. Always fun to do this in front of a live audience, make it an annual thing. I've got to find another place. You want me to come to your city? I'm in London and Toronto. i got to do uh, maybe a New York or a Los Angeles or something like that. Uh, but thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Damian for hosting. And thanks to Amazon, the longest-running sponsor of Talk is Jericho. Easiest way to support this show. Just use the TIJ links. You can find them by going to podcast. 
podcast1.com, click it on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of, of the page. Then you hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got them links in the USA, the UK, the Canada, A. Every time you use Talk is Jericho Amazon links, it'll kick back a small percentage of the show to help us cover the production costs over here. All right, so go ahead. You better uh, finish up your holiday shopping. You'll, you got a few days left, and you should be able to take care of everything that's left on your list at Amazon. And you can get anything you want. You know what you can get. Just go to podcast1.com, click on the Killer Deals button in the top right-hand corner, then hit the Talk is Jericho button, and uh, you'll get anything you want. You'll help us out in the process. So once again, thank you so much for being here. Stick around and listen for the 60-second AP News update, which is coming up next. Uh, and in the meantime, and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and we'll see you on Friday. It's Christmas on Friday, but Talk is Jericho never takes a break. Not only is it Merry Christmas, it's Merry Kissmas. That's right. It's Merry Kissmas as we do a special kiss cast with me, Fozzie drummer Frank Fonseray, is a huge, huge Kiss fan. Guitar player uh, from Fozzie, Rich Ward, my partner in crime, not so much a huge Kiss fan. And here's a here's an extra little uh, little little monkey wrench in the system here. Luke Bryan's drummer Kent Slucher will be here as well. So you got Fozzie and Luke Bryan combining to talk about Kiss on Christmas. If that's not a crazy, wacky, diverse talk is Jericho uh, way of doing things, I don't know what is. We'll see you on Friday. Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, I hope you get your shopping done. Be cool. We'll see you on Friday. And a big, yeah, boy. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. I'm on a highway to hell. Highway to hell. I'm on a high sleigh to hell. Highway to hell. And I'm going down your chimney. <laughs> you can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.